up, everybody? Welcome back to Common Sense, the podcast. We're back again this week from the Monarch Stag, hanging out over here. And we actually got the guy that's been helping us make all that happen this week. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you. Thank you, man, because this has been a blessing in disguise with what we've been doing with, with the renovations over where we normally shoot and You've been more than gracious and kind enough to let us use your space over here. And, man, we've had a blast having this space over here and hanging out with everybody after the shows. It's been a lot of fun. Hope it's a good ho- home away from home. Yeah, man. You have you provide top-notch facilities. Nice. I can't Thank you. wait to dive into that with you. Thank but you. For those of you that don't know, Derek Sims, owner, operator of... Man, I mean, there's so many of them to list here. I mean, the first place where I ran into you, I think it's Jay Theodore's with Rare Books. And now you have the Glen and the Stag over here. And I think even before that, and I didn't realize this before, it was one of my favorite places to go when I lived up in Savannah was 811. Yes. And I didn't even know back, you guys yes. were part of that until I was doing my show research. I was That's like, kind of where we cool. started, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, for those that don't know you, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background, like where you're from, where you grew up? Sure. Uh, first of all, I just got to give credit to my wife. She's kind of my, my biggest business partner and my wife, of course. She kind of is, we work side by side. She takes a lion's share yeah. of the business. So I think there's something we should talk about that later, about how um, a supporting partner in life and love in business is really good, really helpful. Absolutely. You know? Um, we come from California originally, um, kind of, uh, started out as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, like really early in life. Like I think our, at 19, I kind of like dodged out of college. I was still in college, but I started my first business, uh, like a computer education school. Just couldn't stop. I couldn't, I didn't want to work for anybody, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of something that's in your blood. I think it comes from within, you know, you kind of have this ur- urge to do something. Yeah. You know, so um, that was an epic failure. I think I worked for $150, $150 a week and worked more hours than I do now, I think. Yeah. But um, I think it just starts to plant a seed. Um, I met my wife and we kind of, she encouraged me to um, move on to something else. We, we then invented a um, computer software program um, that did text messaging. And this is back in 2003, I think it was. And uh, we have the patent on, we created the patent on commercial text messaging, which most of you all know is like your bank texting you a code that you put back into the two, you know, the bank is not. Oh, okay. Yeah, the bank's not. Like your two, two-factor authentication well, codes Any code, any text message that comes from a business account, which is usually a four-digit or five-digit code, we created that way back in 2004. And that was kind of our claim to fame. Um, when I sold the business uh, with my wife, we... Um, I think we had, uh, I had a business partner also named Omer, but we, we sold the business and we were doing 30 million text messages a month and making a few pennies each message. So it really ended up being good, but uh, yeah. it, was, it was a hard business, 15 years. And uh, when we sold that business, we had to figure out where we're gonna go, what we're gonna do. And, and California wasn't really the best place. It's just not the best place to You were to, born and raised in mm-hmm. California, correct? It's just not the best place to raise kids one. And it's also not the best place to gain wealth. It's just not, set up for it they don't want they don't want you to gain wealth which is the opposite of the american dream right we're talking about yeah the exact opposite of the american dream why would you want to uh you know that's what we're here for people come from other countries you know ever all over the world to come here to be able to do anything yeah and you could be from venezuela you can be from africa you can be from 
Argentina and you can come here and start your business and fail or succeed, you can do it. No one's going to stop you. And the other countries like Venezuela, you know, you can't do that. You can't start a, a business without the, it jeopardizing and being taken away from you. Yeah. You know? So um, that's what I love about, you know, the United States. So we, when we came to Texas, it was uh, a tax-free zone, you know? So that's one of our reasons. And they had great schools. So it worked out good. Yeah. But when we got here, um, Frisco was, everyone moving here just had no restaurants. And so my wife and I were just haphazardly joking with an entrepreneurial mindset and a little bit of money in the bank, not a lot, a little bit of money in the bank that we were willing to spend. And we said, you know, we should open a wine bar like we did, like we had in LA, you know, in Westlake. And then we're just joking. And then we, one day we talked about it over and over again and we kind of pulled over and that's at 811 bar. We yeah. pulled over and you're not gonna believe the story, but we pulled over and the guy was, the landlord was there and we ran inside and my wife was like, come on, this is stupid. I'm like, no, no, let's just let's go ask. And he literally said, um, oh, you could put a wine bar here, but it, it needs a, we need nothing about restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. This is 15 years ago. So, um, so no background, no background. In the restaurant we just know we, we, that it needed it because back in 2011 or 12, you Frisco yeah. was, you know, and what's Cherie's background? She was in real estate, mortgage, okay. mortgage and real estate. Okay. Very smart with numbers. Yeah. And very good with interior design. We flipped a couple of houses together. Okay. Um, and she's really good at interior design. So, and so from the get go, there's no, you guys both have business backgrounds yeah. and different fields. But interior technology. design is something that has really come in handy. I think each of us have our own strengths. Even my technology yeah. background has come in handy and I'll explain that. And then, and her, her, um, her ability to see a room and design a room is super important. Yeah. You know, you see the space, Absolutely. you've seen our spaces. It's yeah. Just, she does all of it. Like, yeah. It's pretty neat. So, um, we walk in, the landlord's there and he's like, you know, you could turn this into a wine bar, but we don't have a grease trap. And I'm like, what's a grease trap? And I go, well, what's this thing you have to have for restaurants? And, and, uh, he's like, and the plumbing would probably be 30 grand. And then I'm like, oh man, that's a lot of work. He's like, but you know what? Next door is a small little restaurant has four employees and they're for sale. And he already had the grease trap. So that was, at the time when we walked over there at 11 and uh, we walked over there and the owner's like, yeah, we got, I'm selling this thing. I need, I need to move on. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do it for 70 grand. And uh, I was like, that seems like reasonable enough. You know, it was very low. We're talking early Frisco. Yeah. And uh, right on main street though, for any of you that don't yeah. know, I mean, it's right in the heart of like old, yeah, old, it's an old Frisco. house, 1400 square feet yeah. haunted, Yeah. haunted house. And it's haunted. Yes. I'll, very haunted. Uh, it's very haunted. Uh, we had multiple things. It actually became kind of a trend. It's just so haunted. But um, we bought it for the next day. We bought it and we were in business. And 12 days later, we were reopened after my wife. We put shiplap up and made it a whole new space. Yeah. And it was just a perfect timing. It really was the perfect timing because it turned into uh, a four employee doing, I think, 140000 total a year to when we were done, it had 88 employees. And I think we did like 2.7 million in a matter of two years. It was really fast. And it just was um, a lot of what we did though, because we converted the backyard into fireplaces. So everyone got a fire pit. We added music. Um, it turned into a really cool spot. A lot, yeah, a lot amazing you know, little s'mores kit. Yeah, we had you s'more guys kit, had badass s'more. charcuterie boards. Yeah, we had wine 100 wines by the glass. Awesome just, yeah. pizza. Pizza and music. Yeah. Exactly what people needed. And I remember people telling us it was crazy that you can't have a patio bar in Texas. It doesn't work that way. I'm like, well, hell, why not? You know, I just, yeah. that's our California mindset saying, I don't understand why not. There's plenty of days. And then they were wrong. So 
So don't listen to people sometimes when they tell yeah. you you're crazy. Um, but uh, we ended up selling that business and that led to, we sold it and then we couldn't even last like maybe a month and we're like, all right, what's the next restaurant? It kind of gets into your blood, you know? Yeah. And uh, we bought a French restaurant called Bonnie Ruth. Um, pretty popular, but it was definitely not doing a lot of Super money. Super popular, local, famous brunch place. Yeah, it was, yeah. and so we bought that. And uh, the first thing we did, since we had a non-compete on wine, since we sold the wine bar, they said, you can't do wine, you can't do a wine bar for the next five years. So we, um, I'm sure like all your listeners have is a obsession with whiskey collections, right? Yeah, so. we got a big group of whiskey people in here. I'm a personal whiskey snob, and we got a lot of people on that that, that do that. We, we, we'll do a little segment here in a minute before I forget that we do, what are we smoking, what are we drinking? Well, we obviously aren't drinking anything at the moment, but we will get into what we're smoking here in a little bit. So when I spoke to the uh, uh, guy named Alan from Specs, um, he's my rep and also my friend, I said, uh, you know, I think we should do a whiskey bar. And I think I want to do an allocated whiskey bar. And he kind of laughed at me like, no, you can't do an allocated. You're not going to get what you need. And I'm like, well, let's just try. Let's see what we can get. You know, and I want it to have all the good stuff. I, you know, in my naiveness, I want Pappy and I want Weller and I want, I want everything. I want Old Forester birthday bourbon. I want everything. He's like, he's like, well, I'll get what I can, you know? Yeah. Um, he came back to me and said, listen, if you, you know, if you give me a blank check and I can bring you whatever the hell I want, you know, like I'm going to bring you stuff you don't want. I'll also bring you stuff you do want. You know, and that kind of was the birth of, of this, what we do really well, actually, at both of our places, we have yeah. a fairly high number of really allocated stuff. I don't know exactly everything I'm going to get, you know, but I'll get some interesting stuff. And a lot of times it, it, it really interesting stuff, you yeah. know, and he finds dusty bottles that are like collaborations of, you know, wolves and, you know, it, it could be anything. And yeah. then he brings it out and I'm like, oh, I never, I get tequila. You know, I got some really high-end tequila. It's got some really fun stuff. That sometimes these balls are six or seven thousand dollars. You know, but we—it's um, a good home. You know, we sit on for a while, but it's really fun because when you come in here, you can try something that you probably have never seen or heard of before. Or it might be expensive, yeah. but you know, you're not going to spend six or seven grand. It on was it. impressive how quickly when you opened that. I mean, because it was kind of the talk of the town. There was only like. I think when you guys open that, if I'm correct, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure somebody will correct me on here down the road when this show airs, that there was only like two or three speakeasies like throughout the Metroplex. Yeah, there was. I mean, I knew there was one in Denton. There was like one in Dallas, maybe two in Dallas. Banter in Dallas, and there's a couple others. And I went to those. And one in Fort Worth. But like nothing that really did it the way you did. So like those of you that have never been to Rare Books, like – Think of a very small room in Vegas where Frank Sinatra would be playing or something at a piano or a bar. It's dark, it's romantic, it's quaint, but then you have this bar wall that is nothing ordinary. Everything is either an allocated or dusty or rare collaboration wall. Yes. So like you provide all that. Like I remember when I first went in there, like my older brother took me for my birthday and we went in there. I think it's the first time I met you. Actually, I know the first time I met you was actually at J Theodore's. Um, that's a whole nother story, but we got to talking about bourbon and you and I actually had a quite a long conversation about it. And I was just, I was super impressed at how you, you know, you're telling me you just gave guy a blank check from specs. And I know who Alan is as well. And like, but yet you were able to pull in dusties and stuff. And like, 
without going on to the secondary market, you know, that's, yeah, that's it did, super it, it, hard it, to it, do. It, but it wouldn't have worked. And, and, and uh, it was interesting because it started out like that's not going to work. And then now it does work, you know. And I think other people are starting to do it. But um, we take everything, like I said. So there's some stuff I don't want. I got some bourbon up there. I'm not going to mention it just to not throw them under the bus. But it just sits there. Yeah. It just sits there, you know. And it's okay. It's okay because someone gets it. Yeah. You know, but it, um, Make that was fancy fun. fancy cocktail out of it. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. You get, always get that one Instagrammer or YouTuber that wants to make a crazy cocktail. I'll do it for him. <laughs> I've had some $200 ranch waters made. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so, $200 ranch uh, water? I think one girl for her birthday wanted a Claus Azul Day of the Dead ranch water. And we're like, I just want to make sure you know what you're ordering here. And she's like, yes, I know what I'm ordering here. I'm, like, it's a, I'm not saying anything bad about it. It was a $200, it's a $200 drink. And she's like, I'll, I want it. I want another drink. I'm like, all right. Wow. And that's actually interesting about bourbon because I've learned over time serving a lot of bourbon to a lot of people that if somebody wants to try something, I learned this early. I remember I was really snobby at first. I'm like, no. I used to think, yeah, and I do like it. Angel's Envy, uh, the, the rum one, you drink it neat, you know? Yeah. The uh, rye, the rum. And this one girl's like, make me an Angel's Envy rye old-fashioned. I'm like, no, no, no. This is bourbon. It's quality bourbon. We're going to make it neat, you know? And she's like, no, no, no. I know what I'm doing. I want you to make me a old fashioned and I want you to try it. So I made one for her. Well, my bartender made one for her and made one for me. And she was right. And I think we bump out a lot of those angels and the old fashions now. They're really yeah. good. And so there's nothing wrong with having a bourbon the way you like it. And that's kind of the whole premise, right? I mean, the whole idea is that you don't have to do it, you know, neat just because it's quality and it's nice and it's good stuff. You can definitely mix it in. It actually does taste better. A stag junior old fashioned is one of the best old fashions you can make, yeah. and, uh, or stag now. But uh, 133 proof and add a little, a little on top of that. You know, a little old bitters and a little bit of demaria syrup. And you can do a lot of cool things with that, man. Really I mean, I w- stuff. when I was at Bourbon Fest in Kentucky, um, one of the famous bourbon families, there's one of the sons was up speaking, and he told a story because his dad couldn't be there because obviously it was right, right as COVID was kind of wrapping up, and they. They weren't risking, you know, Jimmy Russell being out in, in public, you know, and like, yeah. but they were talking about, he was like, he had a little old lady that stood up one time and was like, I got to ask you something. And he said, sure. She said, I bought a bottle of your rare whatever at the time. And ever since I was a little girl, you know, a younger child, I mean, this lady's like in her 80s. And she's like, I always put my bourbon with Pepsi. My son-in-law told me I was committing a sin to drink your bourbon with Pepsi. He goes, man, was it the best bourbon and Pepsi you've ever had? She goes, you're damn right it was. He goes, then that's all right with me. You drink your bourbon exactly how you like. That's a true story. That, that does. I've, I've come around on that. And, uh, I mean, obviously there's some things I won't do, like Pappy or something like that, you know, um, McAllen. Those kind of things. I mean, I just started to get. There's obnoxious. a Pappy story, a famous yeah. Pappy story about that too, where Julian Van Winkle's son, I can never remember his name, was in a bar in Manhattan with his dad, Julian. He said, I'll go up to the bar, get the drink. Walked up, said, I'll probably butcher this. I don't remember if it's exactly right, but he was like, I want one cube of ice. I'll take that Pappy 15, neat, one cube of ice, and I want a twist of lemon. And the guy looked at him and was like, I, I can't do that. Like, you just need to drink this neat. You're ordering Pappy 15-year. Like, this is like a $75 yeah. shot. 
And the guy looked at him and he said, well, my great, my grandfather liked to drink it that way. My dad likes to drink it that way. And I prefer to drink that way. You know, so I think that's how I want it. By the way, Austin Van Winkle or yeah. whatever his name is. Yeah. That's, and, you know, this bartender amazing. just got floored. And he's like, well, if the guy that created it, that's yeah. how he prefers to drink it. I guess it's okay. Yep. Yeah. And I still like a lot of things neat, but I think it's definitely have learned that people can do it the way they want. It's their pleasure. They're enjoying it. They're spending the money on it. Yeah. It's, it's just, I just suggest that people, I mean, I don't know how you do that always in the restaurant atmosphere, especially with really high end stuff. Oh, I would always just suggest that you just try a little bit neat before you decide to do anything else with it. If you've had that experience of trying it neat and maybe it's a little hot for you, you want a cube of ice in or whatever, yeah. then that's your right. Yeah, that, that's why I definitely would went up that and say, try it neat, try it with a couple drops of water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can do whatever you want with it. And that's what's really fun about the bourbon trail and going out and doing whiskey tastings. Yeah. So um, after we created Rare Books Bar and Jay Theodore, um, we remodeled that whole space using my wife's talents. We remodeled that space, it came out real nice. Um, that went from 1.4 million when we bought it to now it does over six and a half million. So it's really good business. Um, and then uh, we, uh, we, we learned how to collateralize businesses. Um, you know, everything, I'll just say this. In life, you gotta learn to get things done. You know, and it takes, and it takes a lot of time. So a lot of people talk about what they're gonna do, but you have to learn to get things done. And that takes, you know, everyone has their own technique. Our technique is coffee and a list in the morning and just get that list as much as you can of it done. You're not gonna get everything done, but get everything done. So we learn to collateralize the businesses. We learn to work with bankers. Um, we try not to partner with anybody because that could be yeah. kind of a blessing. We and call that, curse. don't just talk about it, you gotta be about it. You yeah. can't just sit and talk about it. Forever. At some point you gotta, you gotta step into the fire and, and get things done. Yeah, and so we collateralized, we got a good loan and we, uh, and we looked, started looking around at a next space because at Rare Books, everyone's like, do you have a place to smoke cigars? Because we want to smoke a cigar. It just get kind of a, you know, when you're drinking bourbon, the next, the next iteration of that is let's have a cigar, right? Yeah. And I was always like, no, I don't have a cigar. And people don't realize how hard it is to create a cigar area. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, just go back in, the, in that room over there and smoke it. No, you have to custom ventilation. It needs to be recirculated. It can't be your normal AC. It needs scrubbers. It needs all these things, right? Now, our fans are well yeah. aware of that because yeah. that's been our biggest battle. You know, we we film at Industrial Cigar Company. I know you know the Frakes, and you know, part of our show has always been sitting and enjoying a cigar and having these kind of conversations. Yep. And when they started doing their remodel, and then the space starts getting down, I'm like, well, I can shoot at my house. Like when the, I can go out on the back patio when it's nice out. Yeah, but it's like. My wife ain't letting me smoke a cigar in the house, and it's not just easy to find a place that you can sit and enjoy a cigar when it's 20 degrees outside and the wind's blowing and you want to just go in and sit down and have There's it. There's nothing know? better than smoking a cigar indoors. Oh, There's really man, nothing better. Absolutely. And uh, I don't think people realize how much work it is to really get that way and, you know, obviously have family or a wife that don't like cigars, right? So yeah. you, can't, you can't just smoke in your house. It's just you know, without the proper equipment for right. it, right? So um, when we started shopping around, it was really fun. This is during COVID, um, right after COVID. 
uh, the star here, where the star now. Yeah. And it's really, as you've seen, and some of you guests, maybe some of their local, have seen that the star has really transformed. The first round of the star was a bunch of businesses that really basically failed um, because they didn't put the right businesses in here. You know, and a lot of them went real big right out the gates yeah. and didn't have the following. To we had a Jose Andreas company. That's what this was, and it failed. So even like big names, he's like a big name. Like he's like the Gordon Ramsay of like um, the European, you know, yeah. realm, and he couldn't make it work because uh, you know you have to find ways to um, you know capture an audience. You know, that's not always easy. Yeah. So um, it was really fun actually because the next round after the first rounds failed. They're really scrutinizing who they brought in here, and they kind of just picked up on what we were doing. We were, you know, doing really well at at J Theater and Rare Books Bar. It's only a thousand square feet, and you know, it's a, a lot per square foot we're doing there. And he's like, "What are you guys doing over there? How are you getting so many people in there and so and doing so well for such a small space?" Yeah, uh, five thousand is relatively a small space. So they invited us to come over here. We pitched the idea. We pitched the Glen and the Monarch Stag, which we have now. We're in uh, the Glen. It's based on a painting. Um, from Edward Landseer from 19, uh, 1851, and it's uh, it's a really famous painting in Scotland. So we're kind of thinking Scotch, and we're thinking, okay, Scotch, Scotland, okay, let's do this painting. And uh, the Glen is over there, and this is the monarch stag, and you'll see a huge red deer stag that we we got shipped all the way from Inverness, you know, Scotland, and it yeah. took like nine months to get here. So he's <laughs> hanging on the over the fireplace, and he has 16 antler points, which is what you need to be a monarch stag. Okay, anything below okay, that. Okay, I a, didn't know that. Yeah, it goes up in progressions. You have a monarch is 16 or more, and then you have 14 or less is imperial, and then you have a royal stag, and then it goes down just to a stag, you know. So a monarch stag is the creme de la creme, biggest, baddest, right? And um, this guy painted this painting in 1851, and he didn't tell anybody where it was, as the story goes, because he didn't want anybody to, to, to kill this thing because they're so rare, Yeah. you know. So unfortunately, we got his painting up on the – we got his – we killed a stag and put it up there. That's <laughs> not, awesome. Not myself. Not myself. <laughs> but uh, it was really fun. Um, so the Glen's over there, and we uh, attract customers by really focusing on Instagram and Facebook. Like, that's the new age marketing, right? And how do we do that? Well, we, we made aerial artist shows. We made lots of flowers and Instagram moments and areas to take photos. So, you know, it's a blessing and a curse because I kind of I don't love, you know, that. But here yeah. we are on social media right now. But I kind of love all the photo taking. It's yeah. kind of a dominate our lives, you know. Yeah. And I think it takes away. From, but it is a viable business now. I mean, Absolutely. it's a hundred percent viable business. And <clears throat> we leverage Instagrammers, influencers, and then we have everyone else who just comes in and does it for free. You know, they basically yeah. post about us and pass the word around and promote our business basically for free for their own content for their own. FOMO, if it may, it may be, right? Yeah. It's great. It's great. So You might not know this. My, my wife and I are actually in your promo original video because Biz and Brandon invited us to that dinner. We oh. did, like, the soft opening when they were shooting that. Yes. We had an absolute blast. It was a great time. So, yes. like, you know, that's something I want to talk about, and I think this would be a good transition because I know you want to talk about Cherie's influence on all of yeah. this. And you really – I think you cater – a little more to creating different and unique atmospheres. Correct. And that's that's something that I think has been a big part of your guys' success and what you guys have done together is the feel. I mean, down to, and I know this has to go down to the most minuscule detail of stuff in your restaurants from certain napkin or glassware or the way 
a room is lit to just between ambiance, feel, sound, everything. It doesn't feel like you guys, for somebody that never really started out coming from that and having that kind of schooling to just your natural instincts were to create these things and to pay that much attention, I think is a big part of your guys' success because you've done things that are super unique. Like, like you were saying, you have the acrobatics in here where stuff is lit on fire and you've got acrobats going on. You have a grand piano. You have some kind of amazing live music, whether it's jazzy or coverish or... Yeah. You know, stuff's being lit on fire. There's smoking drinks. There's, you know, just a little bit of everything. Like, you can be having a casual, comfortable conversation in a corner, but look over there. You're captured by this event going on. Yes. That really was something. It's really funny because uh, that's a lot of her, you know, and a lot of our own shared experiences. So as we travel, one of our favorite things, like many people to do, is is to go out and eat and and you know there's a, a lot of inspirational stuff yeah um, we're in in scottsdale has a really good market and so there's places like toka madeira which has fire and all this goes in and they had they have a fire show and then there's other things we went to mexico and you see things and really it boils down to you know saying what's going to be different what's going to be really interesting um and we were working with the we had desi- we had a designer and we had a, con- a general contractor working on the restaurant and we're trying to explain them what we're doing. And we're going to have aerial. We need a beam welded to the ceiling. We have this thing. And they're like looking at us like we're fucking crazy. Like they're looking at us like we're nuts. Yeah. And we didn't even tell them everything. So like, all right, just make that wall green and make that one there. And don't worry, we're bringing a separate company to put a tree right here. And we just didn't tell them everything. And they thought we were crazy. And they thought we were like maybe almost a little, like they almost like dismissed us as a little almost amateur. Yeah. And it got us a little psyched, you know, when we're building a $3 million restaurant. We're like a little psyched because we're like, hey, you know, you know, this is not traditional what we're doing. We're, you know, we hired like a, a tr- they collected driftwood from the beaches of California to make this tree we have over there. And it was like an $80,000 tree. But there's the same people that made the tree for the Bellagio hotel right yeah. so like i like it let's just do it babe it's, just, it's an art installation let's do it and and she's like yeah absolutely and, we, and she picked the tree and we we made them like they said we've never made a tree like this before but we wanted to look like this we had a picture of something online you know we made a storyboard and i remember this when it all came together and they're welding beams on the ceiling and they didn't want to do it and they're like this is crazy what are you welding a beam we need a beam to hold the acrobats in the air right and it had to be a you know it has to support more than you know it's got to be safe right yeah. so we had it Ten times their weight like 10, or whatever. 10,000-pound beam, and, yeah. and we were testing with sandbags. It was like crazy stuff. We're doing crazy stuff. They're looking at us like we're, we're absolutely nuts. Like They're like, mm-hmm. we're not building restaurants like this. You guys These are California freaking nuts. California people are out of their no, mind. No, they're just like, you guys are nuts. They, they, they just, I don't think they really thought we were. We knew what we were doing. They're just absolutely crazy. But then it's all done, and then it starts to succeed, and it succeeded really fast. You know, We have just as much following or following here and a lot of traction here. It's doing really well, probably more than we do over there just because it's bigger. And and the funny thing is, like, now they're coming back and, like, can I put my name on this? Can I do some photos? Can I put this on our website? Like, it's so funny because it's – so I think if anybody's going to start a business and you really get good at something and you feel like you're really passionate about it, you really – that could be making beer. It could be making whiskey. It could be anything, really. Yeah. Um, once you walk down that path, you know, I mean, obviously you may fail – there's no guarantees and, and most likely you will fail the first time, 
you know, but if you start small like we did, you started with 811, a small little product, and then you went to a little bigger product, and then you have a very big product now, and then we're working on an even bigger product in the future, you know, I think, you know, you just get better at it, and it gets easier. Yeah. So that can go to anything in life. I mean, you're going to start a cigar bar, you're going to start a, a, a bar, you're going to start, you know, a real estate business. I mean, anything. It just, you have to kind of like get things done like we talked about. Yeah. And you have to just keep plugging away, and then you have to just, the recipe is hard work and time. And I wish there was an easy way to do it. I wish I had an easy magical formula to say, oh, don't worry, you just do this and boom, it's going to happen for you. Yeah. But it's it's hard work and time. And taking small steps and just yeah, constantly and never, taking yeah, and, action. And, and, and don't get greedy, right? So, you know, you could go out and you can, you know, I know a guy that, that during the, the time when rates were really low, he bought like 17 properties, right? And yeah. then the whole mortgage meltdown happened. And then, like, he lost all of his properties because he was trying to jump over go, right? To have a yeah. monopoly and not run the board two times and not collect $200. He lost everything. You know, it just really, you know, one of those things they had to do. Yeah. You know, and we thought we were sunk when COVID happened. We had to close all our restaurants. Like, how that's like a crazy time, right? I mean, yeah. asking you to basically go out of business and give you no money for it. You can't, you can't be open. You can't be in business. You can't. That's where the speakeasy really came in to help, though, because we were have doing hidden speakeasies and, you know, that's where it kind of was a true speakeasy again. Yeah. And so it kind of was a lot of fun during that time, but yeah. it was really scary at the same time. Really scary. I can imagine. You know, it's just really tough. But For a Californian to, you you have a lot of different aspects than what you typically, especially here in Texas, hear about. Yeah. And and, and seeing that, like you guys have a, a very different mentality than I think most Californians. Yeah. Well, to, I, to approach some of these things. Well, I think it, the California background does help in one way respects that we, because we saw a lot of, development uh you have an established comedian in la it's pretty established it has a little of everything you have 100 sushi restaurants 100 you know even a little of everything right yeah and here you didn't have much and so the urgency for us to how do they not have this how do they not have this you know but that's not today today texas and dallas is probably even more i think more developed in the way they're going you know i would attribute i wouldn't think la i would think Scottsdale, Arizona, Miami. I mean, there's, yeah. there's just so much going on el- elsewhere because LA has got so many restrictions, unfortunately. Um, but we did go back to LA and we were thinking about opening a speakeasy there. And I, we actually found it to be, we, it would be pr- quite easy actually because some of the things are easier. You know, like yeah. the rents are actually cheaper. You would think they're not, but we pay a lot for these rents here. And the rent. You're in very you know, prime uh, real estate, yeah, my a friend. Lot going on here, a lot of rent. <laughs> but you know, shout out to Jerry Jones and and then the whole Cowboys organization. They've done a great job, and they're really proud of. Um, they're really easy to work with. Actually, probably the easiest companies to work with I've ever I've ever been with. Um, it's amazing, and so, you know, both of us, uh, my wife and I, are very happy to work with them. They're easy. They're easy to work with, and they they try to promote everything, and they're fun. We bring the players here. We I get that celebrity aspect that I didn't get. That I used to get used to hear about in L.A. and no booze. Yeah. that, but you get it right here. It's really fun. If you're here, you're going to see someone famous. Yeah. You're going to see someone famous. It's just, just every time. They're, we had someone last night, you know, so. Yeah. And we're going to do a special next week for you guys. With, you know, I'll go ahead and announce it now since it's all set down and locked in now. Uh, all the Cowboy fans from back when we won Super Bowls and stuff, we've got George Teague coming up here. You wow. know, he's the athletic director over in Plano now and – George is an awesome guy. He's been really gracious with his time. He's going to come here 
And we're going to do a little meet and greet afterwards, too. He's going to sit here and hang out, smoke a cigar with any of you that are local that you guys want to come up here and visit the facility. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, good bourbon and good cigars. So what are we smoking here, actually? We are smoking, uh, you are smoking one of DC's Genesis. Uh, that's a cigar that he did with Luciano. Um, they're, they've got a new one coming out in March. I uh, can't wait to try. I thought I was going to get to try it last week, and I didn't make it by his event. But Jamon and Luciano have partnered up together, and that's what they've created. That, it's that's delicious. one of my favorite, like, just go-to, middle-of-the-day, easy cigar. Yeah, it's an easy-smoking cigar, and it's really nice. With a Habano wrapper. I mean, like, it, to me, it doesn't get much better than that for just yeah. a daily go-to. I'm smoking a Principal Koshan um, Night Flight. All you people that didn't listen to us when we told you ICC had some killer deals on these, because some of these still set around, they've even broken them up now. So even though I bought several boxes of these that I don't plan on opening up, I had to go by and grab a couple more. This is one of my favorite cigars uh, that I don't smoke all the time, but, man, when I can, it's a really good cigar. You know, where... And difference being, you know, this has got a much more expensive wrapper that they make this out of. So these are a little pricier. You know, these are going to be a $30 stick when they have them and they don't have them very often. Um, Whereas what you're smoking is, you know, very comparable and a a good cigar. That's a $11, $12 stick. You know, so you you got all the little mixes there. what we go into next, I have no idea. I've also got a bandolero here, um, some other stuff over there we might break into. So you said a lot of y'all's inspiration comes from traveling and stuff like that. When you guys start putting these ideas together, I mean, are you and Sheree that, you know, two questions here really, like do you guys, are you journal people? Like, do you like really journal and like kind of like write down and put these ideas down and plan? Are you more like vision board? Cause you guys We're are vision very- board people. Okay. So what we do um, is first of all, just live life. Right. So we went to uh, the Amalfi coast. We got some inspirations from there. Um, we Your will pictures start. pictures were amazing, yeah. by the way. Oh, you saw those? Oh, man. I was sitting there, like, reliving it. I was like, no, nah, i got to put this on my travel that, that list. Is, that was a fun trip. Uh, Malfi Coast by Catamaran. You know, we got we got one of those yeah, eight-person Catamaran boats and a, and a captain. It was really fun. Um, but that's a trip. You know, that's a trip. Yeah. Um, but we will go ahead, and um, she makes Pinterest boards, of all things. She's a good old Pinterest, and she'll Pinterest images. Will, uh, we And so we'll... We threw all the images. I have to go get them for you sometime. I'll show you after this. Okay. But when you see the image board and you see what we created, you'll say, oh, man, I can totally see it. So we created the image board. Um, she kind of focused on the Glen, which is more of a martini bar, more her vibe. Yeah. You know? And I focused more on the mar- on this side's look. And so we wanted dark woods and leathers. And so, uh, you know, once you start, you start looking like you start typing in like, I typed in like leather booths, leather cigar lounges. And I started seeing the other like, and you'll see this now again, you'll be scrolling through Instagram. And now AI creates a lot of cool things, right? Yeah. AI creates a lot of cool things. You're like, that's dope. And I'll just save it. I'll save it. And I'll make all these little folders of like things I like. Even for a future house I want to build, I start saving that stuff. Because when it comes down to it, you're like, you know what? You print those pictures out, you lay it all out, and you, you, you make, it really draws a story for you of what you're looking for. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of how we work. Um, 
and then we're always trying to throw entertainment in. So it's always going to have a live music venue and element to it. And uh, there's a really old restaurant called the Old San Francisco Steakhouse. Um, no one knows what it is, but I was doing some research. And uh, the Old San Francisco Steakhouse is a Dallas restaurant mm-hmm. um, that used to have we're these. Up Northwest Highway. It used to swing. They used 35. to swing. The, the servers would go up and they would swing across the bar and, and they kick this bell. Very popular back then, but yeah. it was so dangerous. I mean, it, it looked hairball, right? It looked just like mm-hmm. very dangerous. So we're like, we got to do that. We got to do that. That's really going to blow people away. But um, that kind of morphed itself into the aerial shows. You yeah. Know? And the aerial shows are really fun. I mean, it's just like they're, dinner, they're with, a, awesome. dinner with a view. Dinner with a view. I mean, that came from a little bit of Mexico, a little bit of all the things. You know, it's like, how do you, where do you go? I don't know anywhere that has dinner and a show like that. You can sit there and dinner and watch an aerial artist do your thing. Or we have a fire person that does a fire dance too. So, I mean, where do you see those kind of things? It yeah. just doesn't exist, you know, but it does now. And hopefully no one can copy us because, you know, after the speakeasy, and I'm not trying to say that it's a flattery, to be honest with you, but I feel like 17 speakeasies popped up afterwards, right? So yeah. there's one in McKinney and there's one here, one there. There's a million speakeasies, right? But that just it was in vogue, right? It's just, it's in, you know, that's the trend. Let's do speakeasies now, you know, and Browns are so popular right now. So kind of, kind of, I'm not saying we started the trend. I'm just saying we just kind of, I felt like we were kind of one of the first to it. I, I know we're the first speakeasy in Frisco, so that was fun. Definitely yeah, we're there. Yeah, I mean, so. and you guys did it the like old school way with the phone booth. and We even have a little latch that opens yeah, and closes. It's so, so cool, yeah, man. Like For any of you that fun. haven't checked it out and you're ever in the Frisco area, I highly recommend it's it. It's fun, yeah. They, they, the hospitality there is phenomenal. I mean, and the thing I love, too, is even watching you as these have progressed, you and your wife are always i mean unless you're on vacation which is very rare i mean i've caught you a few times but you know when we were trying to set this up but you guys are always there and a part of some property yeah i mean you know you're at one or the other i mean i'm not saying you make it to each one every day but i mean you spend time at each one and you're still there make going around talking to people how's your drink how's your service how are things going like you guys stay very involved you have to like what you do you do you have to like what you do and and you shouldn't look at it as work it is work and yeah i get tired everyone gets tired my wife gets tired we're like drag ourselves out of bed every morning right but you know you have to like what you do and once you get your pants on and get here it's fine you know enjoy it you have uh you're never lonely if you own a business because you have you know all your friends and your work family, right? And they're all here and they are family and you work, you're all working for the same goal, you know, to try to just succeed and do well and everyone makes money. Yeah. So, um, that's what, really fun. What do you guys put in and what do you guys do to, to help keep balance there with, with all that you do to make sure you're still allotting enough time for family, friends, that probably is the hardest, business. the hardest part. It's probably the hardest part. Um, it's lucky that we work together because I think if it was like, one of us working and the other not, it would be hard to understand. And that probably happens in a lot of Flint families where you have the woman working a lot and the man or vice versa, right? So yeah. um, I think you have to dedicate some time, uh, definitely take some vacations and definitely not worry about, um, you You never will not worry, but you need to wor- let the, the business will, I think it's like raising a child, right? You, you, you just gotta let it be sometimes, right? You're like, all right, yeah. it is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna be there. And I'm sure something will go wrong. And you'd be surprised what people step up to make sure. So as long as you, once you're there enough to people understand what your vision is and what they what, what you want, what they want, you know, they yeah. will try to echo that vision. 
you know, and we do a lot of a lot of t- turnover. We have a lot of hiring and firing. But lately, um, once you dial in your people, they're they're great. You know, they're yeah. like your best asset. So people is your best asset. Were you raised in a family that did these kind of things? I mean, what what was your family like growing up? I mean, mom, dad, like. How no, did they? We how did you learn these things and these? I think it's skills? like I think it's inherited. I think it's in your blood. Yeah, you know. I think uh, there's there's two types of people, right? There's you know, risk takers, and non-risk takers, right? So, risk takers are the ones that are ready to lose it all, and you you will, you know, yeah. and then you'll build it back up, you know. Mm-hmm. COVID, point of example. I think we lost everything, you know. Like you had to build it back up, right? But you have to be willing to. You have to be willing and scary, and I hate to even say, like, I don't even want to endorse this, but like, you know, I think on our first project, you know, and the second project, we like mortgaged our properties and, you know, everything's on the line, right? Yeah. You know, they're like, all right, the bank's like, oh, I'll do it, but you got to give us, I think to get this one going, we, we leveraged the other one, right? So if this one failed, we would lose both, right? They would just, yeah. they would, you would have to take it. But I think when you have that kind of skin of the game, you're gonna you're gonna make sure you're there and you're gonna make sure it succeeds, right? Yeah. So if you lay out that risk and you're gonna do it, you got you have no choice. There's no there's no option, right? There's no option to fail yeah. when when all's on the line, right? Absolutely. So, um, like I said, I think it really pulls down to everything in life. I mean, if you if you you know if you risk it and you work hard and you add time, you're gonna it's the recipe, you know. Where do you guys go when you're looking at like? what kind of menu and food you're going to do because you you've done very different things you Mm -hmm. know from the wine bar that you know we talked about that earlier you know when you started out it was charcuterie boards Mm -hmm. s'mores kits and pizzas Mm -hmm. with wine to you know you come over here and it's you know or then you have jay theodore's which you know you had the old history there of what type of food more americano but kind of french and you know, you had those things going there and I've not seen you guys take something like that and not, you didn't veer real far, but you still brought some of your own in. Definitely. And then over here, you know, you've got steak, sushi, seafood, you yeah. know, you kind of get that. And then you've got the kind of more classic stuff here where you, you know, you're sitting around because it's more like you said, a martini bar, whiskey, cigars, you know, you've got oysters and wagyu sliders and just yeah. different things how do you guys approach that and how you look at your menus and stuff well when we came here we knew we wanted to do seafood because there's other steakhouses in the area so we're, we're gonna do seafood so that was just the general premise right we're gonna do seafood and uh you know we hired an executive chef and and we started going through the menu um when you open a restaurant it's always going to start out with you know some concept that you know, about 60% of the items are going to work and 40% are just going to be trash. They're not going to work, you know? So yeah. um, anybody that came to the restaurant at the very beginning, they should enjoy the process. They should have, I, it, I had some people complain, this tastes terrible. It's like, this is awful. And it's like, uh, well, we were trying something, you know, and we threw it out there and now we know. And I think, you know, uh, you make something and then you dial it in, right? So yeah. uh, I would comfortably say now after being open for two years that everything on the menu is good because you really go through it and go, this is not working, this is not working, let's get rid of that. And that's just being a present owner and being around, right? And so yeah. like, this is not working, this is not working. Um, and then you discover things that work really well. Like our jar of lobster is this weird jar of butter and lobster in it and just, just sells like hotcakes. And then we were selling shrimp, this really fun shrimp. It was just a shrimp cocktail type thing with jumbo shrimp and nobody was getting it. And then now we make this fire rock shrimp where we take these rocks and we, we light it on fire and put the shrimp on top of the rocks. And it's like comes to your table on fire and 
it's our number one selling dish and it's, it's the same so it's, good. it's the same thing <laughs> but just the presentation is different right yeah because our eyes you know that goes for cocktails too and drinks and everything else you know and you know our cocktails all have some flair to them right so yeah so you just start to dial it in and you really you know it's okay you're not going to get it right the first time you just got to come with the general concept i'm going to do seafood Another place is more of a French kind of French inspired fusion, you know, and then we ended up coming a little bit more centered. And so we added some pastas and, and things that steaks and pastas that yeah. people can get into and chicken. But we still have some French items on there that are really good. Like the, our uh, chicken paillard is really good. It's like a French dish that's really nice. So, yeah. Anyways, um, you know, I think the next place we want to do is a barbecue place. So, you know, really, and that's very Texas. So, you know, you really just kind of come with a general concept and then you just dial it in over time. You just kind of figured out you know and like you really dial it in but uh you have a chef team i think we have uh on the chef side we have 25 on this side uh with executive executive chef sous chef you work with them you know they're really good and but we like to put influence into it and talk about it we know what you like you know what you like right so yeah like, oh this tastes good I, I like it you know let's let's do this and so um but the executive chefs will know how i get that done um a lot of it again is also going out and experiencing things you know, so, inspired by travel there. Yeah, as travel well. and find stuff. I think we, uh, you know, the Amalfi Coast had some fun drinks that we got that we that we came back with. There's, you know, the Aperol Spritz, of course, everyone has, but they make a different spritz. That's a, a version that they only make in in uh, in Amalfi. Can so you plan a, a trip to Spain for me and come back and have like the best sangria in the world? Oh yeah. Because yeah. I went to Spain with my wife and it has ruined sangria for me. Oh man! Because like, it's just so much better over there. I had to do that. I, I I've been to a Spain, Bar- Barcelona, and uh, Madrid, and I was actually really impressed with the food there. It's really good. It's amazing. So man. Rome was the food wasn't great, but in Spain the food was really good, and really fun fun area. Yeah. You know. So, what about how do you look at evolving? You know, we, let's go to your drinks because like you you do a lot of cocktails, but you and I are kind of talking about this because we both have a passion for spirits, and your spirits collection at all your places has grown significantly from day one. I mean, I've witnessed it over the period of time, and it's it's fun to watch that. But I know, like me personally. You know, my bourbon journey started with me barrel aging my own old fashions because right. I had this amazing old fashioned at the armory yeah. in Dallas called the Bonnie and Clyde. And I thought it was absolutely insane. They were using some extremely expensive scotch to rinse the, rinse the glass before making an old fashioned. Yeah. And it added something to it. And I mean, at the time, I thought I hated all scotches. Yeah. It took me much later in my journey to realize I just didn't like peated scotches. Yeah. And that there's a whole nother world of scotch that is not peated yes. or is peated less. Yeah. That I do like. There's some no peated scotches. Yeah. yeah. Sherry, and then, you she know, like the sherry, probably the sherry stuff. Yeah. Sherry aged casks and all this other stuff. And then, you know, then it went from there to I found an amazing. Uh, old fashioned in Colorado and I was there with a client and for Christmas he saw how fascinated I was that and this guy had a little five liter barrel that he was barrel aging his own old fashions well what shows up on my doorstep at Christmas a five liter barrel with the company logo on it and his recipe for that's old fun. fashions that's fine so then I start doing that and then that just keeps evolving but then it goes down this journey of you know you start off like in really low proof 
whiskeys and bourbons and then you start getting up there in proof and then you start getting barrel aged stuff and stuff in different barrels and it changes and then next thing you know you're drinking armagnacs cognacs yep. now you like scotches and there's this natural evolution as you go through that that you know then and i'd say in the last year i've bought more tequila than anything yeah. and tequila is making a big surge now I think rye is going to be the next thing because rye hasn't been as popular because everybody just thinks rye is spicy because they had one spicy rye or somebody made them a shitty old fashioned with rye when really most of the time I prefer rye in my old fashioned, but a lot of people don't because they have this spice fear. But there's been more barrels of rye aging in these warehouses because it hasn't sold as well in the past decade that you're going to start seeing that, I think, in the next two to three years. That You're going to start seeing it. Here's a 15- and 18-year-old rye that's going to start blowing people's mind, and then that's going to be the next allocated thing. So I know you've gone through a similar journey. How do you plan to grow and adapt with that, and how have you done that with spirits in your places? So we definitely have a good cocktail program we had to, we had to build. Um, we had found some passionate people that work uh, to help craft our cocktails. And now they are kind of a, autonomous. But it all started with, uh, you know, I mean, when we're, bo- when we're born in life, we don't even like coffee, you know? Yeah. So our taste buds change. So you'll definitely change. And um, I remember, I know a lot of young people that drink whiskey and they don't like it. They're like, oh my gosh, you know? And and then like, how do you like this? Even yeah. women, I've seen a lot of women come to whiskey. And that's- you, Your wife, kinda, that's one yeah. of my favorite posts where you yeah. posted that like, she didn't like whiskey or bourbon at all. And then you take her to Kentucky or something yeah. like that. And she comes back and what's the first bottle she grabs is like the Pappy 20 year, yeah, you know, she, like she likes, Angels, she likes Angel's Envy. She likes the, the rum finished stuff. So that kind of changed everything really was, uh, you know, bourbon and it has really evolved. And it's like actually a relatively young, maybe 15 to 20 years. I think when I started bourbon was starting to get traction again, which is really funny. I think it's, a, it's reaching a pinnacle of like its success right now. Yeah. I remember that we went through a time where it was gins and vodkas in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't bourbon. It was like bourbon was a dead dying breed, yeah. you know? And here we are with the resurgence of bourbon, you know, brown spirits and all kinds of fun stuff and tequila. So I think you'll see a lot more tequila um, we really have a l- very low number of tequilas when you really think about it that have made it up from Mexico. Um, and there's more and more people importing tequila and coming in with tequila. So tequila is being aged and being really well made. Yeah. So you see a lot more tequila. Of course, you see a lot of collaborations in, in, in bourbon nowadays. Mm-hmm. So you'll see two massive companies working together um, and making fun spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, a lot of the barrel age finishing is getting really creative. You know, you'll see it. And then bars are doing their own thing. So, like, we've, we have a leather bag out there that we got from the shepherds of, like, you know, the European shepherds that, that keep bags. So we have a leather bag, and, we, and we, we put our bourbon in there, and then we make a drink out of that, and it has a leather taste to it, you know? So we're, Interesting. You know, that really comes from them just being creative and being artistic with drinks. Yeah. And here we are, you know, we're serving a $20 or $22 cocktail and uh and it's fun so we you know definitely get creative with it so uh, we make our own we make our own bitters we make our own you know they're out there doing you know i, I had one guy he was taking he took campari and he dried it out and then he chopped it up to a powder and 
was using it as a garnish, like, and, and also putting a little bit in the drink, like just really getting really creative with it and made a, he made a candy out of it or something. It was really interesting stuff. Wow. So, yeah. With, with simple syrup and candy. So it takes time. You're not going to be able to do this stuff at home, which is really fun about bars, right? Cause I mean, you could, yeah, you could, but you know, they, they dedicate themselves at eight hours a day, four hours of prep time, just working on cocktails. Right. And they're, yeah. and they're getting creative and they, and they understand mixology like anything else. So it's always fun to go to a bar. It's always fun to go to a bar like this where you can try something totally different. And I hope to God it doesn't taste like everything you've, oh, that tastes like chicken, right? It, it should not taste like anything comfortable. Yeah. Uh, we failed if it's something like, it, you know, when I get to a speakeasy in New York, I went to uh, the one that, uh, behind Criff Dogs, the, the, dog pl- the dog place. And, and every drink was interesting and kind of odd tasting, to be honest with you. But I really loved that part of it because it wasn't, I was if it, if it just tasted like an old fashioned or if it just tasted like a cosmopolitan or something like that, and, then I'm not getting anything unique, right? So yeah, every, every drink was like almost strange. I don't know if I loved it or hated it or loved it. I kind of loved it too. And I drank it and I didn't pound it. I just drank it and it was, you know, and it was like, oh, it's yeah. interesting. So um, that's the fun part about it. And same with food, right? So um, you really enjoy that part of it. And so I think the, you know, the future, uh, like I said, tequila, rise, I agree with you, rise are doing things higher proof, lower proof. Um, and I think it's fun, you know, if you understand how the whiskey making process works. So go do some tours, go places, understand, you know, pot stills versus column stills versus how it works. Understand that vodka is the same as gin, but just added juniper berries and other botanicals, right? And understand that bourbon is basically like lower proof vodka that's put in barrels, right? So understand that if you really start to get into it, understand yeah. how it all works and how distillation works and those kind of things. That'll help you understand and appreciate it more. Yeah, one of my good friends is a distiller up in Indiana, and uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I was initially drawn to him. It's Alan Bishop with Spirits of French Lick. Mm-hmm. This guy's bringing back heirloom corns and all kinds well, of fun, stuff, yeah. you know, and like growing stuff on his farm Space just grains, to yeah. play with it. And you know, he's bringing back absinthe. I mean, absinthe yeah. is starting to take off again because he's been pushing this and yeah. doing great things with it. And I, I love to watch that because I mean most of these spirits aren't too far off from each other. Yeah. Like there's a little tweak or twist here and there. And, but the process is generally pretty much the same. I mean, distillation is distillation. Yeah. I mean, that's why I make fun of my brother-in-law all the time when I see him bring in some like $200 bottle of Russian vodka. I was like, Oh, is the water from Russia that much better than the water in Poland or you know, wherever. And, you know, my Tito's tastes pretty good. I mean, I don't know many people that sit and drink straight vodka. Not many. That's pretty hardcore. I mean, tasteless, baseless spirit. I mean, that's basically what vodka is. By definition. So the only thing different is the water it's cut with. Yeah. So did you think that water from Russia was better than the $49 bottle of Tito's you can get at the store? I think there's a huge You're making a cocktail. Yeah, there's a huge misconception. Just people just don't understand that you know what they're drinking. But um, but with, but with bourbon, there's a lot of mistakes you make, and there's a lot going on with the yeast. And because remember, with bourbon, you're only distilling out. You know, if you're distilling any more than 140, 150, you know, you're, you're 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 taking the taste out of it, right? So yeah. So they should be distilling it, you know, much lower than that. So you're leaving out a lot of those base grains and whatever you use that that avant-garde blue corn, you know, and that yeah. rye and that whole mash bill that you made is is in there. And that's what you're tasting on top of the then, yeah. then the finishing product. 
But what a hard business you're in. You you wait four years. You don't know what it's gonna do. You put it in a barrel. You have no idea what's gonna taste like. You don't you know, know what's gonna you're suck. Only, or you're only it's assuming, gonna be the best thing in the world. You're only assuming, you know. And I think everybody probably a lot of men, women too, but I think mostly men dreamed about owning a distillery because it looks a lot of fun, right? But but I don't know. That's that seems like a hard way to make money because it takes a long time. But so bless yeah. bless those guys for spending generations making it right and doing it. And yeah, you want to see what that really looks like? Go follow Alan Bishop on uh, any social media platform and watch all the nitty gritty that goes into that. It's not as sexy and fun as most people think it is. Yeah. I mean, you better have a passion for it because just get yourself an eight gallon still and do some home home distilling illegally because that's the, the best way to learn and figure out. I really like it. It is pretty yeah. addicting, actually. It's pretty fun, but um, but yeah, I mean, that's those something guys, you've played around with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I think that's the first thing I did. And I have a few friends of mine. We all just enjoy doing it together. So mm-hmm. we, we will uh, we'll definitely work, you know, make something fun. And you really, it's, it's very tiny. It takes you seven days just to make one thing. You make a jar of something, right? Yeah. And then you're like, whoa, that tastes like shit. You know, like, wow. Yeah. You know? So I think we made an apple cinnamon thing. We put way too much cinnamon in it, and you can't get it out. And if you burn it, scorch it, it's there forever. You know, so you can get better at it. It's definitely a learning process, and you appreciate whiskey a lot more. And how much time goes into it? What but, have you made that was really good? Uh, I made a 150 proof moonshine. That's damn good, damn good. I put some rye in it. It's mostly a high rye. It's really good. So I like the rye. Who doesn't? Yeah. Right? And um, I tried doing wood spirals. That don't work so good. You'd think it would, but it's very hard to get the ratios right. But barrels. If you get a mini barrel, um, uh, you can do really well. You know, put in a mini barrel. There's a something that happens in the barrel that just makes it. It's just a right coat the right surface area and and the right char and you can get pretty good spirit out of there it's really fun to drink it almost tastes better than because you know it's yours and you can taste like the home craftness to it you taste yeah. a little you taste a lot more of the corn you'll taste that corn liquor you know yeah. if you use corn or you'll taste those spirits um and remember they're doing things on a mass scale so there's you know yeah and you gotta yeah. take into account that your surface area is different than them in these it doesn't take that gallon long. barrels it doesn't take that long stuff, yeah you, you can know? do it in eight months what they can do in three years you know yeah. because you're doing it a lot smaller um i always suggest people just if you're gonna try and play with the barrel agent you know a you gotta turn the barrel even if it's one of them five liters every week and get a new one they're and, online and yeah, get a new one don't try cleaning them all the time that's a horrible horrible way to go and you'll spend five hundred dollars pouring stuff into it that is all ruined within a very short period of time. And I also suggest too, you gotta take notes and study it. You know, every week, take a little pour out of it. See what that yeah. has done to it Absolutely. and taste it. Yeah. Because every week's gonna, you're gonna find a sweet point, you're gonna take it past the sweet point, and then it might go back again, or it might not. It might just keep going south. You don't it's a, know. It's you a little bit of art and a lot of science, that. you know, and a little bit of art too. So, and that's the beauty of it. There's so many variables to it that, there is never going to be a bourbon that tastes like someone else's bourbon because it just there's so many variables to it. Whether you know where you got the cooperage from, where you get the wood from, so there's so much to it. Yeah. But it is a lot of fun, and if you're a geek about that stuff and you really enjoy it, there's nothing better than doing whiskey. There's a certain nostalgia to it, just to making whiskey. It's really fun, and uh, you know, making the the, the wort or you know, you know before you distill yeah. it is is an art form in itself and watching yeast do its do its magic is yeah is really interesting and being able to understand how you turn sugar into alcohol is like 
just the ultimate science experiment, right? Yeah. It's so fun. You're like, there's no way. I can't believe this is actually working. Yeah. So it was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I had really a buddy really that was playing around with doing his own shine and stuff like that. And he made, I remember he made it first batch. And I'd seen he had a couple of those, you know, someone had gifted him a little bunch of the little barrels and stuff, yeah. you know. And he called me. He's like, man, this tastes like absolute shit. This is terrible. I mean, I'm just going to throw this all away. And him and his old man were kind of in a pissing battle of who could make the better shine. I said, hey, why don't you try throwing it in one of those barrels you have for a little while and just see what it does. Yeah. You're going to dump it out otherwise. So, I mean, what do you have to lose? He put in that barrel, and in about three, four months, he had something really yeah. solid. If you don't understand that, 90% of the taste comes from the barrel. So, really, it's a lot is from the wood and uh I think most distillers will tell you that as you start doing tours in Kentucky. Most of it's the wood. So much, in fact, that they take the same stuff at Buffalo Trace. It's the same stuff. I mean, the same juice, the same mash bill, the same everything. And they make Weller, Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, yeah. Blanton's. Different warehouse, different rack. Different warehouse, different, different rack, row, different wood, cooperage. Different side of the warehouse. But it's the same juice. And you got every brand you can possibly imagine is out there. Uh, that comes from Buffalo Trace, and they all have different calibers and different price yeah, there's points. There's only like four mash bills. I know. And they make, what, 20 different yeah. products? Stuff out of you didn't even realize is the same. You know, it's the ultimate magic show is those guys and what they've done to the business, making 50 different, you know, 30 different labels. Absolutely. And you have no idea what you're this drinking. This one's allocated. This <laughs> yeah. one's not. And it's the same thing, just different age statements, everything else. So, yeah. really fun. What a great company. So, so when you're not in Derek business mode, family mode what are some of the things you like to do hobbies things to do because i've i see some things like you seem to be pretty fascinated with fireworks and you used to put on some pretty epic fireworks shows do, i've seen i do love fireworks that's always a fun thing i just started out simple and then i made a whole rack and case and i think i was rivaling some of the neighboring lake houses with the with a show um but lately um i have two really interesting passions i just got my pods license i love flying flying this morning actually so that's a really fun thing to know how to do and so that's uh great and then i've been sailing since i was a young boy and i still do a lot of active sailing so i sail on the lake here and go to go to regattas uh on the east and west coast how did you get into sailing just that's my mom. just a california thing I yeah mean, how i was this here happen? in so Rindale, Rindale, with all yacht club my, my mom yeah my mom put me in my mom and dad put my brother and i into a sailing program when we were eight years old and became sailing instructors and I just love that. So two odd things that most people don't say they have their resume is they uh, are professional sailors and they race regattas all over the United States. And then, you know, and then uh, the, the pilot's license is really fun. Like I really enjoy flying. So we're currently flying, a, I'm learning to fly a Cessna, sorry, a Cirrus um, SR-22T, which is a really nice plane. So it's great. Four seater, has a parachute, but um, that's the, the highlight of my of my life and of course spending time with my kids and my wife and going skiing and doing other things we do uh, my wife and i travel all, you know as much as we can and we love to share time together and go to restaurants it's what favorite thing to do i mean i think i'm not talking out of the box here i think everybody enjoys yeah going to a different city trying their fare their food that kind of thing it's just a lot of fun so that's one thing kids, i've seen great helping kids. in texas but when i first moved here it was amazing to me how many people were born and raised in Texas and never been outside of Texas? I mean, granted, Texas is a massive state. And, like, you know, I spent some time up in the Northeast before I moved here, but I was born in Oklahoma. So, you know, I'd seen and been around all that. But, 
you know, in the Northeast, you can drive 30 minutes in any direction and be in another state. Yeah, we're yeah. in the United States, but we still have what I like to say multiple countries right here in the United States. You don't have to fly somewhere. I mean, yeah, I mean the Colorados are totally different than the Louisianas, you know. And you start going to the East Coast, and I've been in Vermont and Connecticut, and you're like in Rhode Island, and you're like this is a totally different country too, right? So, yeah. And then you have the beaches of Miami, and you have California, of course. So, you know, it's just a really fun to travel, and uh, we have two lovely kids, and they 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 love traveling too, and so. We enjoy just spending time with family. That's it. I mean, it's just the yeah. How old are your kids? Life. I have a 19-year-old that's in college, University of Arizona, and then I have a 15-year-old that's uh, just in high school, right here in in Addison. And he loves it. So we we have so much fun, and we travel together, and it's a lot of fun. That's so. awesome, man. That's really cool. And yet, you have a twin brother, right? Yes, Not just a brother. You have I a call twin. Him brother. E- evil twin. My evil twin. Evil twin. Yeah, he's evil twin. He's a, he's good though. He's we grew up together. We got in a lot of trouble together. Traded girlfriends and the kind of things. We're twins. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but like, how how much twinning do you look like? It's like I, I want to compliment you too, man. Because like I, I said this earlier before the show. I don't think I would have recognized you if I hadn't seen the promo pic. If I just ran into you in the store, like. I went on this journey about a year ago. You and I talked about that a little while ago, too. I go, I'm down 50 pounds. You've superseded me by a little bit, I think, there in, in, in the weight loss department. Yeah, but that's like, the dead, Kudos yeah. to you, man. I want to congratulate you on it because I know you. how hard it is. Yeah, but no, like, you what, my, what have you done you and how's switch. that changed? Uh, both my wife and I have lost weight. I think I'm 75 or 80 pounds de- down. And really, it boils down to, uh, you know, you work hard. And you start to just get somewhere. And then the, I, the, the biggest jerk is a doctor, but I love him to death for saying it. But he's like, you're going to die in 10 years if you just keep eating the way you're eating and putting the stresses on yourself and not and not taking care of yourself. And he's like, do you want to make all this money and just not enjoy it? You want to die and not enjoy it? And he was like blunt and serious. So um, I was pretty upset when I was driving home that day. And I said, you know what? Do I really need to eat those donuts and those steaks and those, those sort of things? Do I need to put that fat in my body? Do I need to do it? Yeah. And so um, I started out with just really starting to eat leaner, vegetarian type stuff. And then I incorporated back into like some chickens. And I just really watch what I eat now. And we, my wife and I, we do it together. So it's really yeah. easy. Um, there's a lot of help out there. I mean, most of the Ozempics and semi-glutide stuff really helps you. Yeah, you know, and there's easy ways to get that. You don't have to get the Ozempic stuff, which is so expensive. So again, yeah. the semaglutides, you can find stores that do that for 180 bucks or something a month, and those help because they take the cravings out. You can really accomplish your goals with that. I think it's a miracle, kind of a miracle drug. You know, you can definitely take yeah. it, and it'll help you with the, you know, it starts. You have to have the mindset. You know, I'm not gonna eat this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna drink as much as more. You know, you can still yeah. enjoy bourbon. I still enjoy drinks and cocktails. I just don't eat. I don't get pissed drunk you know mm. so um and then you just eat right and then you eat sensible and you got to stick to 15 1800 calories 1500 calories a day if you want to lose weight and then you want to balance your 18 2000 max you know so you start to ha- counting you know you have you're not having french toast in the morning you yeah know? you're not having french toast in the morning you're gonna have egg whites maybe an omelet yeah you know? and you're gonna and you have throw some vegetables in that mix and you, balance, know? you know you're gonna go drinking tonight so like i cut out two three hundred calories right there yeah every one, bourbon two. i have is gonna be 150 calories yeah you, know? you have to really think about it it's not that hard once you start thinking about okay i'm, I'm at 500 right now okay let's see you know quick search on google i'm at 500 right now i just ate that whatever and okay i got i got a thousand i'm gonna save it. i'm gonna maybe skip lunch and i'll have a nice dinner that i can enjoy you know and I'm gonna so if you completely bit. cut red meats out now i i don't i had it i have steak once a month maybe and i okay. used to eat a steak a ribeye or a steak 
three times a week, you know, because it was okay. available to me. Um, yeah, stay away from red meats. Um, I think the biggest thing is wine. People drink a lot of wine sometimes. They think, oh, it's harmless. But um, you wouldn't drink 17 Cokes a day, would you? You know? Right. So 200 calories each. Not even 17. You wouldn't even drink 10 Cokes a day. Yeah. But when you're drinking two bottles of wine and enjoying yourself, you know, you're basically doing the same thing. So you Well, I think a lot of people get confused, too. That's one thing my coach, I, I, got a, I hired a weight loss coach. Okay. Tell me because I was always the guy that couldn't put on weight when I was younger, and then when I got fat, I didn't know what to do to change that. Like just working out and doing the stuff I did before was not working. I've I lost some. all my weight, and I haven't I haven't even stepped in the gym. So that's you amazing. You don't really have to step in the gym. I mean, the gym is great for like if you want to like be muscular and cut and lean and 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 look good, but you can lose weight without even going to the gym. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're a perfect is, example. Yeah. You if look you just, great. If you just eat right. Yeah, and it's really crazy how fast it falls off if you just eat right and uh, a little help from the I think the little help from the medicines will help because it helps help you with that craving. It's like an addiction if you have a smoking addiction or and you need it off and there's, I'm sure there's something for that. They are definitely appetite suppressants. Yeah, like so. you have to you have to make sure you are still eating properly because then your body will start storing fat and stuff that you don't want. Yeah, if you don't if you're not careful and you don't. And, and all this needs to be done with some medical supervision, too. You know, you're talking yeah. about you went and saw your doctor and, like, you yeah. know, well, he, prescri- yeah, he prescribed it. Blood work and stuff like that. Yeah, he to- prescribed it, you know, but nothing's worse than getting diabetes and uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but, you know, everything in moderation. You don't want to ever get addicted to anything. Even addicted to weight loss is bad, right? So I think it's just yeah. you have to do everything in moderation and be smart. Be, be smart about it. But- well, I think people need to do a little research, too, and maybe hire a coach because, you know, there's little tweaks I had to learn, too, because... In my family, you know, my dad had a heart attack at a young age, died Same. at a young age from Same. a heart attack. So that's always been a concern in my family. There's high blood pressure, there's cholesterol, stuff like that. So had to start watching all those things. And, you know, there's certain things that I can't I can't out-eat or out-train some of these things. It's hereditary. I'm going to have to take a medicine for it. Yeah. You know, there's just those things. But I watch that and monitor that. But my family was always focused on heart healthy. It's yeah. like I'm very salt sensitive because mm-hmm. salt was the first thing they cut when my dad had his first heart attack. My mom cooked everything low sodium, X, Y, Z. So, like, man, if something gets over salted, yeah. cool, game changer. Yeah, you're, we'll sneezing, you're sneezing, you're yeah, sneezing. Yeah. yeah, but then, like, heart healthy is not necessary diet lose weight healthy because, you know, you start making vegetables or a salad and you're putting olive oil on or something. Well, yeah. every teaspoon of olive oil is like 150, 175 calories. Yeah. If you're trying to stay at 1500 calories, maybe you did just have a nice big salad for dinner, but you put three tablespoons on there. Well, maybe you were at your 1500 calories. Now you're up there around 2000 because you put three tablespoons and yeah, it was heart healthy, but it wasn't diet healthy. Yeah. You gotta learn to eat. Fast food is no good. Pan Express and those other things don't work. But <laughs> I started finding things I really like. There's a pokey place, and then instead of putting rice in the bottom, I would do salad instead. So I did a lettuce bowl. Chipotle can do a lettuce bowl. Kava can do a lettuce bowl. You can do lettuce bowl, and you can put all the stuff. You it tastes when it's all said and done. You shake it up and you eat it. It tastes delicious. Yeah. And you're not eating it, you know. And you know, like I said, the egg white scrambler with a little bit of hot sauce on top and you like and then some vegetables in there and you'd be like wow that's really good too so once you learn how to do it, it actually seems quite easy 
yeah. to be honest with you. It's pretty amazing how easy it is. I mean, I think my whole life I was like, maybe like you, I, my whole life I'm like, why can't I not lose weight? Why can't I not lose weight? And then I realized after it clicked and then I see, and I mean, it's a nice way. I see other people eating the meals, even the ones that we serve here, the portion sizes and how they eat. I'm like, how did you, eat, how did you eat that entire steak, three sides and yeah. have dessert and have that app? How did you do that? That's like 3000 calories. How'd you eat all that? In one city, I don't, even, I don't even can't imagine it, right? Yeah. So it's amazing. When how you physically can't, when you start taking something like Ozempic or one of those too, yeah, you physically can't once you get into that. Isn't like, that weird? It'll make you sick. It's just weird, isn't You'll it? You'll feel like absolutely like the worst hangover you've ever had from eating, and then you start realizing. I don't know how they like, did it. I don't know how they did it. They figured it out. So. Yeah. The magic behind it. Who knows? It is magic. It is a magical so thing. Has that changed your perspective at all? Uh, being a restaurant owner and now the lifestyle you're living, are you looking at the size of the portions you serve and the things you offer on your menu? Are you trying to offer other choices as well? Or are you leaving that alone? Because well, absolutely. in Texas, I feel like everything's bigger, right? And there's a certain expectation when you're paying X amount that I should get this absorbent amount of food. But we still really give it to them. We still give it to them. That's their prerogative, you know, and that's what they really enjoy and that's what they expect. But I think um, sharing with your partner, you know, sharing a meal is probably so simple. You'll save money anyways. So we'll split almost every dinner. I think every dinner we go out, we split it, you know, and I'm not trying to be cheap. It's just smart. You know, I'm not going to yeah. eat it all. So we'll split, we'll split the meal. We'll have half and half. Um, or she'll get a salad, or I'll get a salad, and she'll get a chicken, and we'll, you know, switch. Yeah. You know, and it is, but no, I mean, I I think we've it does drive a little bit of what we put on the menu. So like on our brunch menu, we have a chicken egg white omelet. Now I would have never had a chicken egg white omelet, but there are right. a whole bunch of people, and more and more people like you or I that have discovered that eating healthy is actually you feel better. You know, you feel better overall. Absolutely. You, you know, the best energy. When you start losing weight, you actually feel best, better than you've ever felt before because you're taking energy. Like the energy you get from food is like is kind of jaded because you're getting good food. I mean, you're getting the good parts of food, and then you, you have to waste out the bad parts of food, right? That gives away. Yeah. Whereas when you're using your own body fat, it's already gotten rid of the bad parts. Yeah. So now the way I understand it is like you're getting this energy that's unfiltered, clean, perfect energy, right? Yeah. Because it's like it's stored what it needs. The good stuff. So when you're using your own fat, it's really such a burn. You're gonna feel great. It takes about a week to flip, but once you or a week or two, um, but once you get that mode going, then that just that's that's the journey, and then it's really easy. So absolutely. But has it made you? Are you altering anything to where like someone comes in and like you've only got a 32 ounce porterhouse steak on your menu? Like, are you are you now offering had, like yeah, an we had, eight ounce we, we steak had, that like had, somebody can get? We like, had it. You only had twelve ounces. And now we have an eight ounce. Yeah, and we have a petite fillet. You know, okay. so we definitely do things well. We have two chicken. We definitely have altered. We provide lighter options. We have a beet salad. We have definitely lighter options. It definitely influences the way it is, and that's just more a sign of t sign of the times. I think there's a lot of people that are taking these drugs, yeah. um, and I wouldn't even call them drugs. These aids, you know, and I think it's because it's a mind decision. You got to decide like anything in life. I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm going to, like, anything. I'm going to do my business. Or I'm going to do just get it done. It goes back to the original theme we talked about, just get it done. You're, yeah. you to make, you're never going to lose weight if you don't just get it done, right? You know, I'm going to get it done, decide, and then, you know, you can definitely find and choose. You know, we definitely designed our menu now to have all options. But we still have the 32-ounce. We have full players that come in, and they get the 32-ounce steak. Yeah. Right? 
as they should. Yeah. You know, they're in a whole other layer, they right? Be guarding that quarterback. If you're playing you know? that many hours on the field, you can have whatever the hell you want, right? Yeah. I mean, you need it. You're Otherwise, burning you gotta, those calories. Oh, uh, you got to eat it. You got to get it. So they have that cowboy ribeye that's 32 ounces, 36 ounces, actually. So, yeah, that thing is delicious, too. That, um, that would be like a whole week's worth of steak for me, man. That's, they do it in one sitting. Yeah. I mean, I used to be able to do that. I mean, I could, I could do that. But that's the crazy part. Yeah. We always do. And I, I, it's amazing. that I don't know how. I look, like I said, I look at other people eat. I'm like, how is that possible? But I'm, I'm not judging it away. I just don't. Yeah. I, I, it's not physically possible anymore. Yeah. You know? And I hope that it never goes back to that, to be honest with you. I don't want to get back to that. I feel so much healthier, and I just... I've given myself the best chance of living as long as possible, right? Yeah. So I'm giving myself yeah, the best you chance. look great. You feel great. I feel, I mean, good. Yeah, I feel good. That's a great way to. And it also helps in business. Wake up I don't in know the why. morning. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And when you're when you're lean, everything else falls together. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't think it's everything in life. That's why it's important to balance the yin and the yang, right? Do your gym, eat right, don't drink too much. All well, these things play into it, and I and I and I just. I hate to be judgmental, but you, you really just can't do those things. You can't, if you want to succeed in life, you can't, you can't drink and drugs and all those things to any excess. I mean, well, I think you can be judgmental without being an asshole. Because mm -hmm. to me, when you see that, I think other people they see discipline and self control, mm -hmm. and they they see that and it's representing you. I mean, obviously, if you're you know a hundred pounds overweight. How much does this guy care about himself? Like, is this guy yeah. really taking care of everything? No, I was like, that guy. I was that guy. You're going to see that. I was that guy. So I, I, I really don't throw no fault that way. I was that guy, and and uh, I just think that, I think that it, it's it's it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, drinking, addiction, food addictions. These are hard to deal with. You know, they're really difficult. But if you can mentally get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to do that, and just do it, then everything else falls into place. Absolutely. You know, it's fun because like you'll probably if you're not if you're single and you're looking for somebody, it's going to help you, right? Yeah. And if you need more energy and you try to get through the day, and then your business falls together, your businesses fall together, your work falls together, and uh, people treat you differently. You know, so it's just really important to do all these things. And absolutely, um, man. All right, we're going to kind of wrap this up because that way I want to get all our stuff out of the way and we're not like messing up people's mojo back here, but. uh if you could leave your children with one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Mm, that's a good question. I think uh, I think the best thing to say is I, I'm going to try to leave them something, right? And right. That they can leave onto someone else. But I think the thing is like to follow, and it's so cliche, but to if you want to do something, just point yourself in that direction. I hope that I can treat, teach them that they can do anything. Yeah, you know, and to not be scared to do something and try something, and if you put your heart and soul into it, you will most likely succeed. And if you, even if you fail, you have learned something, you know, and you will the next time you do something, it won't be if you don't fail the the first time at the gate, you're not going to learn, right? Yeah. So I think the big problem we have with all children that I try to continually teach them is that. It starts with accepting blame and not giving excuses. So when they say something like, you didn't do your homework, and well, why? it's not my fault. It's because, like, you know, I just have to. That's not the attitude. Yeah. You know, and that goes with work, too. If I have a server or a chef or anybody, hey, this is not right. Well, it's not my fault. The, the, sh the person changed its sides. and then No, just no one wants to hear that, right? Yeah. Just say, 
okay, I'll do better next time, you know, and then just do better yeah, and do it right. Right. There's nothing wrong with failure. If you, there's no one out the gate is lucky. You look at everybody in life, right? Every single person in life, sports, golf, anything, right? You, you fail, you, it's how you pick yourself up and how you go, okay, I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm gonna do it better this time. And that's what learning is. And if they can figure that out, if you can figure out how to blame yourself, fix that problem and learn, then you're gonna, that, that's gonna just take you up the ladder and that's how you succeed. Yeah, right. so it all boils Absolutely. down to like that. And so I teach my parents, my kids that, and I hope they start to sink in like, okay, it's the don't excuse. Just say, okay, I got it, got it. I'll do better. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pass that test next time. I'll, I'll do it, I'll do better. And yeah. that really is, you know, that goes around everywhere, so. Yeah, failures are not a roadblock, you know, it's a stepping stone, it's mm-hmm. a learning experience. And if people, more people like you could teach their kids that and have that outlook, I just, it, it allows for progression. Yeah. And, and you learn. Yeah, I hope they take that from me. I really yeah. do, and my wife, both of us. I mean, like I said, she's not here you know, right now, but she was, she, we are lockstep with our ideas and we're lockstep on how we do that. And she, she instills that in our kids as well. And I think that's, that's awesome. something really important. Right so. on. All right. What we end every show with is it's called common sense. So now you got to give us your two cents. Maybe that's something I haven't asked you, something you're passionate about, something you want to throw out there, something you want to talk about. It can be whatever it's, it's your platform at this point to give us Derek's two cents on Anything he so chooses. My two cents. Well, love your wife. Um, love your kids. Work hard. Get some sleep. Take some me time. You know, and uh, drink some good bourbon and have a nice cigar. Those are probably uh, the keys of life, right? That's the happiness right there in a nutshell. Yeah, man. So I agree a hundred percent. Well, man, a I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us. I appreciate I've you. Really thank enjoyed you. sitting down. I know everybody's gonna enjoy hearing your story and hearing about all this. So I want to thank you for that, man. And I also really want to thank you, man, for opening up your place, your home away from home to us. Thank you. And letting us do this, man. It's been a true blessing to us and we've really enjoyed it. We hope it's brought some benefit to you guys too. Yes. You know, it's been cool to do it with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. you We love it deeply for this. Thank you so much. We love it. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it, brother. Thank you. See you, Gary. All right. Thank you. Right on.